1: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel.
0: They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Uh, a very a, a very fascinating episode, Matt. Uh, this is something that you brought together with us, and it explores in a different way uh, some of the topics that we have touched on in our earlier
2: shows. Oh yeah, all all sorts of different mm-hmm. things. Uh, everything from the nature of human beings and how we like to exist with one another, to when that gets taken a little too far, to then how those experiences can influence and mm-hmm. uh, and inspire. Yeah,
0: we're talking about uh, the the process of. Art as well, you know, this is, this is a wide ranging. This is a wide-ranging thing. I know some of us listening are saying, "Guys, wh- what what are you actually talking about today?" Yeah. Uh we are not we are not diving into these waters alone. We are joined today with a very special guest, uh the musician John Bryant who has a new album Cult Classic releasing May 17th of this year. You can pre-order it on Amazon now. Welcome to the show, John.
3: Hey guys, thanks for
4: having me. Well, and I have to jump in really quick. Yeah. Yeah. You had a very lovely opening there, but I got to say you buried the lead ever so slightly. Oh, did I? Just a little bit. Yes, we're we're absolutely talking about art. (laughs) We're talking about the things that make humans thrive and that, you know, allow us to express ourselves, but we're also talking about a very specific type of experience, Mm Yeah, and that's being a member of a cult, Mm -hmm. and the nature of that, and the term itself, and how no one in a cult calls a cult a cult, you know? It's a movement. It's a movement, or it's an idea, but we have in John uh, not only a very talented musician, but someone who, I don't know if you use the term escaped, and that's something that you hear come up and maybe it's not your experience, but someone that has been in a situation and then is no longer in that situation with uh, the Nexium group, or let's call it what it is, a cult.
3: Yeah, as you said earlier, I don't feel like I ever had to escape it, but it was, um, it was a, it was harder to leave than I thought, I should say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so I want to get into that a little bit more, just uh, escaping more as a symbolic thing of maybe your your own, you know your thoughts and your your thought processes and everything. But that's again that that might be a strong word because ultimately a lot of people uh, are able to find the silver lining and that kind of thing. But let's let's jump in here and let's talk about something that's a little more uh, general level or a little higher level. Um, let's talk about tribalism, and you know mm-hmm. we. We we as humans are solitary sometimes. Some of us, like uh, like a few of us in this room here, are a little more introverted and like to be by ourselves at times. But ultimately, we're looking for connection with other people. And, you know, with our interconnected world now, it's all on these black screens rather than, or at least mostly on these black screens rather than in person. And uh, just what what do you think about that? Uh, where, how do you feel about society right now john and and kind of where we are with our interconnectedness
3: well i mean you walk outside and uh, i i now kind of intentionally bump into people when they're looking on their phones and walking because it's everywhere people are people are inundated with information and they're addicted to it so um they're kind of in this in this bubble of of information and they can go to whatever uh idea or ideology that they want and get sucked in so easily because we have these devices that reinforce those beliefs and and reinforce some a feeling of i guess importance mm-hmm. and, and value so so the more value you get out of that device or that you know just speaking about phones for instance it's just it's it's, it's everywhere you know and then it spreads into politics obviously and and uh and other other aspects of life but yeah it's, it's everywhere i look man and especially after this experience um I, I, I pick it up. I'm a little more in tune to that.
0: There's there's some um incredible stuff that we, we found reading about your experience and your journey. One line in particular really stuck out to me, John. It was the it was the note that falling into a belief system is like dying in your sleep. You don't notice it when it happens. And Something about that struck me profoundly, and I think it ties into the um, the point about the ubiquity of uh, smartphones it 's strange how quickly the oddest things become normal for our species you know and with that in mind, I was wondering could you could you tell us? a little bit about your um, your initial encounters and how you how you came to uh, find yourself from Seattle to Vancouver and uh, how, how you got involved with this group initially
3: sure so i'm I'm originally from the east coast of Canada um, and about nine years ago I moved to Seattle um, I moved out there for a girl and uh, I got married and then I got divorced about a year later um, it was a it was a it was one of those mistakes uh, that I kind of referenced and did what I did. It's just you know one of those moments in life what i when i when I just trusted and and fell into something that I shouldn't have fallen into um, fast forward about a year and a half, two years um, I decided to move back to Canada um, but i I moved to Vancouver and um, sort of set up shop there. I didn't know a whole lot of people. Um, I loved searching for new experiences and new um, new groups and new new friends and so i i I found myself in vancouver kind of lonely and kind of just uh in this weird place that i hadn't been to in a long or i hadn't been in in a long time so um so i i I started making friends i had some uh some people talk to me about this group that they were part of and, and it was it was kind of exclusive and it was all about bettering oneself bettering the world it's about you know Growing your business, it opens you up to new opportunities. It's been the best that this is how it was explained to me. It was the best thing that that uh, that these people had ever had ever been introduced to. And these are people that I trusted, people that i was I had been close to. These were some of the one of the few per- people that the one that recruited me was somebody that I'd known for for a few years at, at that point. So uh, it took a few months of of persuasion and the, you know the pitch of 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 what are you waiting for, you know, every moment you wait. You're losing out on this opportunity it's it's you know wouldn't you if you knew you could change your life in, in 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 the most impactful ways wouldn't you spend a couple a couple thousand dollars to just do that to to be able to control your emotions to be able to control your anger i, I have like an anger problem i or i did at that time and, and so they kind of they kind of target your weaknesses and then um find a way to to persuade you to to overcome those and and become a part of this group. So
2: And that's just in the recruitment process before you were even involved with the, the group officially?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, that was in the recruitment process. Yeah.
2: There's this
0: contagious energy, you know, when you when because we all want to belong to something larger than ourselves, right? Uh, I I think, as you noted earlier, this was another quote that really stuck out to me, to be in a cult is to be human. Um, And and there's something with that, you know, to Matt's point about tribalism. I'm I'm wondering, um, when did you begin to feel that maybe something was was amiss, like uh, w- when did you get you know the the Spidey Sense moment or the Twilight Zone music ever playing was was there a moment or was it a gradual process of disassociation?
3: I think the the first week of introduction, the intro course that they do it's a, it's a five day intensive. You show up at seven o'clock in the morning and sometimes you'll be staying until one or two am. Wow, um, and that'll go on for five days straight. so there's there's the uh, the sleep deprivation um that they kind of take you through, and then they they uh, limit your ability or your they they discourage leaving the room when things are going on, when discussions are being talked about. They want you to stay engaged in the room, listening to the information that's being disseminated. So we were never really like, we were given water breaks, but they were, they were few and far between. And then we'd have lunch and and dinner. Um, so I think around the the first few days, um, I started to feel strange because you'd show up in the morning, you know, you'd be hanging out a bit and then you go in the room, uh, and there'd be a plaque on the wall, a big, a big plaque with um, text that reads, um, something to the tune of, we promised to like a bunch of, it was basically a mantra to Keith, um, saying we won't spread the, 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 this information to anyone who's not a part of this group. We won't talk about it. So it was like kind of like this fight club moment where I was like, Oh God, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> this feels, this feels strange. And it, at first I was like, Oh, this is kind of weird, but I'll, I'll get over it. And then as it went on, I think it, it got worse but at the same time i was enjoying it so it was hard to uh it was hard to just to, to let that aspect dictate um my final decision of you know what i was going to do when when the week was over and if i was going to continue on with it right yeah um so it, it was tricky it was, and and then they have the secret handshakes and they have um wait really yeah just, uh, oh yeah yeah
2: Oh, wow. oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't describe that to us, right? <laughs> that may be pretty. I don't
3: think I can. I mean, I don't know. I, sh- I probably shouldn't. <laughs> oh man. Um, it, it it was strange. I think, um, yeah, the, there was, there was some weird uh, nuances about that group that I, 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 it was just this weird like moment of, Oh, there, this is mind control. Is this mind control 101 now? Yeah it was just so funny thinking about it now. Um, cause it's been a few years, but I really enjoyed that week and I can't get away from that. I can't get away from the fact that I liked the learning aspects. I liked the people. I liked the, the group atmosphere. I liked the tribalism to a point, you know, to the point where I consider I, I decided to go on for a few more months with it. And that those, those weird, strange behaviors and nuances didn't, didn't bother me as much as I now think they, they should. <laughs>
2: yeah. John, tell, tell me more about the interactions between you and the other members or the other people who were joining up. What, what is that like? Did you get a sense early on that there is um, a, a very specific pattern of beliefs that's shared almost immediately? Or is it something that uh, when you're talking to maybe, I don't even know the superior, What what would a superior person look like in the group, like someone who's actually teaching? Um, I, I guess I want to know more about the structure of it.
3: Yeah. So they they talked in the first day about the hierarchy of the structure of, of the uh, group, and they, they related it to the military and to school systems. You know, you have the students, you have teachers, you have the dean, you have the president, you know, and, and the military it's the same thing. And they wear uniforms. We had sashes around our necks, the velvety kind um, scarves that we wore around our necks. So in the room, there were the, the beginners, we were the new people and we wore the yellow sashes. And then the next group up, I can't remember the color, but they were the moderators of the group. So we, we, we'd we sit in a classroom setting, we'd watch a video, um, and then we'd go off, break into groups and talk about what was going on. Um, what, we, what we, you know, we would explain what we were thinking about. So if they, they'd bring up the idea of belief, you know, what is belief? And then we'd go into a group and talk about, okay, what does belief actually mean? Can we can we decide on on one definition, one thing? And then we'd spend about 10 minutes talking about that. And then we'd go back and it'd be, what is truth? And what is, you know, so it's philosophical. It's it's uh, psychological kind of learning that you'd be doing in group setting. So you'd have a moderator. And then the next group up or the next level would be, so like level three, I, I guess. I can't remember the exact names for the levels, but. They had the, the people that were in charge of that um, city's headquarters. So there would be that group. And then the next group up after that would be the, the the teachers from Albany that they would send out. So we had one of those that was teaching the entire week.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So sashes. Sashes. I. I guess I've never had a good visual for for that particular group, but I can actually see it now. It makes me think: is there is there some kind
5: of
4: like hierarchy, sort of like belts in karate or something like that? Do you get a different one depending on your level? I'm, I'm just I mean, this is just like a shot in the dark question.
3: That's ex- that's exactly it. I, yeah, that's that's probably the most similar to what to what their system was, was the karate uh, um, hierarchy. So we'd have different colored belts, but they were sashes.
0: And we'll continue our exploration of Nexium
1: with John Bryant after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week
2: from now through May 14th. Get twenty-five dollar tickets to over five thousand summer shows.
0: That's up to seventy-five percent off a summer full of
1: your favorite artists like Twenty One Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Baso Bluma, Sean Paul, Sum Forty One, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just.
7: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
6: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your
7: BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber live like a Giganian Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited to the availability in select areas. Visit atnt.com slash hypergig for details.
0: And we're back. One thing that's inspiring about this is, you know, a a lot of our listeners out there have have um, delved into the stories of people who join these kinds of movements and then later become disillusioned. And you while you hear a ton of different uh, experiences one thing that's inspiring about this, at least uh, from from my perspective, is that it sounds as if you have you have found uh, useful knowledge through this, and it sounds like it, it sounds like you were able to come away with some positive lessons. Would you say that's accurate?
3: That's absolutely accurate. Yeah, I have no regrets about joining, and I have no regrets about about the time I, I was in that group. I think. I think if I'd stayed any longer, I would have had regrets because there was more money to be spent and there was time that they wanted from me, you know. But I feel like I got in, had that experience, and wrote it out for an appropriate amount of time. that That I I got enough information, I got enough about what was going on there that I I felt it was okay to leave. And I'm, I'm I feel lucky, I feel fortunate because I wanted to continue, but uh, yeah.
4: And I appreciate that uh, perspective. You know, if, if, you're, if something is, is doing what you set out to accomplish, then there's no reason to leave. But um, or there's no reason to think negatively about it. But knowing what you know now about Keith and about the things that were happening behind the scenes, I mean, were you aware of any of that, of, of some of the, the way he was treating women and some of the kind of recruitment that was a little bit more strong arm kind of borderline human trafficking kind of going on? Like, was this all shocking to you or what, what was your perspective on that?
3: Yeah, but I think the information that came out was quite shocking because they painted a picture. I never met Keith, <clears throat> but they really painted a picture of him as being um the the white dalai lama. He was the, the the most ethical. They they actually said this that you know the most ethical and the most um the smartest and most most ethical man alive. He was, he was a master problem solver. He, he graduated at the top of his class with three degrees. You know, they they went through this whole list of accomplishments that Keith had, you know, he's learning to speak in full sentences by the, the age of one and um, classically trained in piano. He could speak so many languages, but it was, some of it was it came out to be what, what I, what I've read is, is untrue. Like people that knew him in school and knew his grades His GPA apparently was 2.26, which I don't think is very good.
5: Oh jeez. <laughs> huh.
3: Nope.
4: Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, he, he was he was kind of revered. I believe he was referred to as Vanguard and he you know, they celebrate his birthday and call yeah. it V-Day. I mean, it's very much a worshipy, worshipping kind of scenario. Did that part strike you as odd? Did you come from a background of like Eastern religion and that? So it was maybe something along the lines of something that you'd already been, you know, immersed in. Or I'm just wondering what the jump was from seeing this and not thinking it was a little strange.
3: Yeah, no, I I thought the Vanguard thing was very strange. Because in the room, in the learning room, which had, which had a higher value than the rooms outside of, of of that room, in in the in the building that we were in, that room, the specific room where we were learning, was to be respected, and and there would be bows before and after you'd leave. So there were, people, you know, the leaders of, you the the teachers and some of the people that um, ran that that uh, headquarters, they would bow when they leave, and then I'd see people like my peers starting to do that. And I'm like, oh, this is so strange.
4: So you say you you, you did think that part was strange, but what was your background that maybe made an organization like this a little more palatable than maybe someone who came across it and was like, huh? I don't know. This is a, this is a little odd. Like it, to me, from the start, just reading about it, it feels like a Scientology kind of situation, which I know is accepted by many. And just want to put out there that sixteen thousand people in the U.S. and Mexico took these courses, so you are not alone, and this was not a small tight knit group. This was a very widespread.
3: A lot of people, yeah, and and a lot of them doctors and lawyers and, and all sorts, all walks of life. So back to, yeah, having to say Vanguard, so in the room, which, you know, I was saying was, was to be revered and respected as the learning room, we would have to refer to Vanguard or what, what this name, Keith, we had to refer to Keith as, as Vanguard, but outside of that room, we could say Keith. So that was, that was weird. And I, that was immediately, I was just, I said, I remember saying Keith and then someone correcting me and saying, no, no, it's Vanguard, you know, just, this room is, is sacred. Oh man that was, that was the the kind of uh, suggestions that were pushed my way when I when I'd push up against it
0: and we know that the um there's such power in ritualism and symbolism and and our brains yeah. uh, you know are, are hardwired to seek out that kind of structure uh, but in the case of of Keith or excuse me in the case of Vanguard um we what what we find is that uh, eventually, you know, uh, as you said, eventually a lot of people started uh, started finding plot holes in the official narrative, right, of his talents, of his intelligence. And uh, before we went on the air today, John, uh, we were chatting just a little bit. Uh, Keith is actually, as we record this today, on trial. Is that correct?
3: That's correct, yeah. yeah I was reading the 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 uh, a story about it just now as well it's right before we came on the air i was just reading what they were saying and yeah what a day <laughs> did this
0: did uh did the good, fact that good it goes timing. <laughs> yeah Did the fact that it this has actually gone to trial uh when when you first heard about you know the allegations and the um the legal problems was any of it was any of it deeply surprising to you? Because uh, it sounds like by the time a lot of this stuff had come out, you had already sort of moved on from the organization.
3: Yeah, I had been out for I'd say seven months at that point. I think it was March 2017 or February 2017. I got a call about it. Fr- uh, the the one who rec- recruited me, my friend, uh, called and said, "Just want you to know, <laughs> heads up, there's going to be some information coming out very soon." And, and in short, she just said, I've left the group. I've left Mexium and, um, and the information's quite, uh, disgusting. And then she didn't say much more. And I was like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like, okay. So I just started Googling and, and then the next day, two days more information came out. And my friend Sarah is the one who whistle
2: blew everything. So, Oh my gosh. I, I applaud her. Wow. Okay. Um, I just have a couple of questions that aren't even that important, but I'm just interested. Um, roughly, how much did it cost? Roughly, how much did it cost to you know join the group and then like be there for however many weeks?
3: So for the first week, it cost twenty four hundred US. Wow, I believe.
4: Yeah, that's interesting. I've seen some sources saying each course was upwards of five thousand. Would that have been for the whole course? So it's like a multi-week course. That would
3: be a two-week, yeah. That that'd be more of a two-week thing. They they charge you five thousand, and people did. I mean, there were countless courses you could take, weekend retreats, and they'd all be so expensive. And that was, I think, the financial um, cost was one of the major factors in in me getting out. This was before you know all this information came out, I was just like, I'm a musician, man. I, <laughs> I my my income's limited. You know, I <laughs> I, I can't afford. I can't afford a five thousand dollar weekend, and and why would I go to Albany? A terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah, at, at least let's go to the Bahamas. You know, like let's really enjoy
2: this. <laughs> well, it it right. makes sense in a way that you would have a lot of you know doctors and lawyers and uh, accomplished musicians and other people who are joining it because there is that yeah. paywall. It it is kind of scary. We've heard we've heard stories before in the past of people wanting so badly to be in an organization like this that, you know, loans will be taken out and mm-hmm. um, re- really deteriorating financial situations.
0: Yeah, um, there's, hmm. there's also a, a bit of a, I guess, a sunk cost fallacy that happens with people. You know, when you get so involved, if you've spent tens of thousands of dollars on something, you know, you you get to where where it might psychologically feel like a point of no return. However, in your case, John, in in your case, um, one thing that really, um, again, I think I'm overusing the word inspired, but one thing that inspired us was that you have used in part your experience with this organization as – as a way to, to, to light the fire of your own artistic exploration and expression. You, you made it through this experience, and uh, would, would you say that this has informed uh, the music that you're making now?
3: Uh, yeah, absolutely. When I found out it was a cult, my immediate kind of thoughts were, um, oh, wow, I'm, I, know what I, can, I know what I'm going to be writing about for a while. Um, and it was hard to get away from because I, I started writing songs about my experience and then trying to write outside of that my outside of the uh, the concept of a cult was hard it became hard for me during during the months that had passed um, since since the information came out and I never intended to write a concept album and it's not it's not really strictly a concept album but it's it's very influenced by my experience and um, I do make reference in most of the songs to Tribalism or, or cult, cult behavior, cults, you know, outside of the typical idea of what a cult is in, in society and how we we kind of uh, pick and choose what we want to believe. And we'll just reinforce that to till the cows come home, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that that is definitely in there.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's get into this uh, a little more. We you mentioned the song, or we both mentioned the song, "Did What I Did," and that is on the album, correct? Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah.
2: this one, you said it was influenced a bit by, by your previous relationship. Um, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, just as everybody together, uh, as a tribe, hey. let's, uh, let's listen to a clip from did what I did and we'll come right back. So, it, in my mind, John, that song is fantastic, by the way. That hook, uh, I've been singing in my car a lot, uh, loudly and, and in a range that I'm unable to hit. <laughs> Hitting that falsetto, <boncetto> man? <laughs> yeah. <back. laughs> There's, yeah, <That> uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's really, really good, though. And uh, it's just... Okay. So, we, you told us a little bit about, about what it is about, but is that... Oh, is that fully encompassed or is there um, is there anything else that's going into this song the the video the music video you can go online right now and watch it if you have a computer near you it is wonderful uh, with with children it's a bunch of children at school who have done something terrible and they're <laughs> they're taking uh, school photos and it's really great to see the kids. Uh, dancing in this mo- in their moment of rebellious like their rebellious nature to do something small like TPing a car or something um and then watching them have a like regret uh in that moment that they're taking the school photos so like did you have that feeling at some point uh, of re- reveling in something then leading to just full-on regret
3: yeah i i uh i have i mean i've had a number of those experiences through my life. Yeah, but the idea of regret is I'm not I'm not certain if if I'm totally if I'm totally regretful of. Yeah, I mean I I think I said earlier like I'm I don't regret going in it but there was an element of of uh of shame I think that that started to permeate as the information came out like oh man I'm a I was a part of this in some way. You know, I wasn't a part of anything that was going on, of course, but, but I paid money into this and I supported this man and these people that did these things, these horrible, disgusting things to these people. So there was, you know, the, the rebellion of, 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 and I, I I guess I didn't mention earlier, like I grew up in church. I grew up in a Protestant kind of Baptist, uh, denomination. And, um, and, and then I post-divorce in, in 2013, I kind of, left the church and I stopped, I stopped being a part of it. And this sort this organization sort of filled that void in some way or or so I thought it would.
2: Yeah. Well, I I guess just the, the song is so great. And you know, that, that main, the main lyric of, I did what I did because I wanted to. um, Yeah. It's just rings so true for, for, I think all of us and a lot of the things we do, we, we live our lives and, and we, to the best of our ability, we do what we would like to do. Um, you know, but the consequences of these things are, they always exist and it's that butterfly effect, right? Um, man, oh, it's really, really good. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit here and just keep the listening to it in my mind for a little bit. You guys go ahead and talk for a while. Okay. (laughs) So, um, what
0: we're touching on here is, is a, um. A very personal, specific story, but it's also a touchstone for larger questions that it seems our our species has um, quarreled with for a long time, and and continues to do. Uh, one thing that we thought would be um, of crucial importance to our audience here is to to hear any advice you have for people who are maybe involved in an organization that That might be damaging to them, or uh, have a loved one who is involved in something. do you have do you have any um any insight on how how people would um, navigate that kind of situation?
3: yeah, that's a great question. You can't come at it as uh, an adversary because you'll just get shut down. there's There's no conversation. There's no constructive conversation. Um, that would happen after, you know, if you came in and, as an adversary, somebody who's criti- critical of the organization. Um, but it's it's a matter of getting people to realize that there's there's something outside of it, which is tricky and it's hard to do, but it's all, also very specific to that person. So um, what I think why cults flourish is because um, a lot of people don't have safe places to go to or they don't feel like they have safe places to go to and and they don't have that safety net to fall back on. If they left the cult, they have. If they don't have anywhere to fall back on, they're only going to become more invested in it. You know, I think to turn away from something like a cult that that eventually becomes your family, your social group, your your entire um, your your entire life revolves around this this ideology and these people. Um, it's it's tough to leave that, but it's not impossible. And it's you know a lot of people do it. They just need people. And I think, its I think what it comes down to is love. And, and, you know, it's, it's a cliche thing to say, but, but people that, that, that leave, they have those, they have people around them that, that care enough to, to walk with them, even through the time when they're, they're in it so deep and they'll help them come out. I mean, that's, that's, I guess, I guess it's just to be present and, and not, um, and not exclude that person from their life as they have, um, their, you know, their family or their friends. Then again, a lot of people in the, in the group kind of cut off communication with that family.
2: How difficult was it to physically break away from the group? Uh, were you pursued at all?
3: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I got calls and I got, um, I got questions from the, the, uh, the Albany office as well as, um, my friend who was, who was kind of my recruit my recruiter rather and she was asking if i was going to be coming back at any point and and i just i kind of kept putting it off the more i i was out of it the more i realized oh i don't think i need this i got what i i got some information that i i i thought was was good and the people were nice but i didn't i wasn't um We weren't living in such close quarters that they became family. The more time that passed that I was away from it, the easier it became to detach. And that was, I think, about six months after I started was was when I really kind of like just quit going.
2: Hey, we're just going to jump in here and take a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll get right back into it.
7: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
6: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
7: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
2: And we're back with John Bryant.
5: Were there
4: any other red flags that occurred to you when you were inside the organization other than the vanguard and some of the weird language and some of the spaces? Because, I mean, you were in it like more from the perspective of getting being a self-help situation, right? Is that, is that how you would characterize it?
3: Yeah, yeah. For, just from a learning standpoint, I thought it was a really interesting Thing to do.
4: So, what were, if any, any other red flags that you saw, whether it was with talking to people? Did you have any interaction with folks that were in this inner circle, or maybe things, signs that later, when you had more context, you could kind of put together? Maybe there was something going on that I just didn't understand the full scope of.
3: Yeah, I, I remember telling somebody there that I'd like to tell my girlfriend about some of this stuff. And it was very, like, it wasn't taken well. And it was, it was, uh, Highly discouraged, talking about what I was learning, talking about some stuff that I was, t- you know, learning in the room. That was really weird. That that gave me kind of shivers. Um, just being uh, being told that I can't, I can't talk about what I'm, what I'm doing here. That was that was the biggest thing. It was like you're taking my freedom of speech in a way. You're yeah. You're, you're disabling my my autonomy because I I should be able to talk about stuff
4: did you have to sign any kind of nda or any kind of paperwork when you signed up like that you know kind of codified that to not
0: disclose stuff
3: yeah yeah i mean claire bronfman has gone after lots of people that have talked and spoken out about what's you know what was going on i I, even back in 2012 there were some things that were coming up some odd uh i don't know exactly what it was but but she uh she sued people she really went after people and uh, she's she's the daughter of the Seagram's uh, fortune. So she's a half a billion dollars in net worth. So she has the financial means to go after these people and really hurt them. So a lot of, that's why there wasn't a whole lot of, when I kind of got into it, I I did some research and I I couldn't find a whole lot about it because I think she just went after people and and sued them or threatened to sue them.
2: Wow. So, the things okay, the stuff that they literally don't want you to know. Um, people are being prosecuted for that stuff right now. But when it gets to the when it gets to the, I, I guess the spiritual belief system or the higher higher level belief system, is there any of that that we can talk about, or is that all the the no don't talk about it stuff? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, they didn't push any any specific spiritual doctrines they it seemed pretty they seemed pretty humanist like we have the potential to to be like gods in a way that's what it that's what it came across as at least and and keith is the one guy who's accessed all this knowledge so it seems it it felt like psychology meets scientology but without any of the any of the reading so they did they did they did these things called ems that were um, emotional, it's exploration of meaning you'd sit uh, on a chair and then the, the, the group leader would walk you through, um, what, yeah, an exploration. I mean, you'd go through, you go into your childhood. If you had some sort of hang up in your life, say anger, or you, you, you can't be on time or you, you blurt out, you know, such and such at the wrong time or, you know, anything that's a hang up in your life, you can go back and you can find the moment in your life when that started. And you can change that narrative. So it was, it was quasi psychology, Scientology kind of stuff. And and you know, if if people had jealousy issues, they they miraculously stop being jealous, or they'd stop getting angry. So
2: that's really, dude. That's really interesting though, because it's also just counseling, or you know, I mean, it, it's yeah it's something that a lot of us probably need, uh, myself included. So it, it's. That's man. That's that's fascinating.
3: I think I now that I've done a bit of research. You know, it's been a few years. I've done research on what you know the scientific community, the psychological community have said and, uh, about similar things. And it seems like Keith just took a lot of different ideas from different branches of of, of education and psychology and science. He just sort of like repackaged and rebranded this this uh, belief system. I haven't really talked about it yet but he he he's being charged for child pornography and having sex with a 15 year old and it's really gruesome stuff um and he and he got people to go along with it and and people knew and not, nothing was done
4: well and not to mention this kind of subgroup that Allison Mack and others were involved in the kind of recruiting of the i guess the personal The kind inner of. circle yeah the yeah. inner circle but it really felt more like recruiting personal members of some kind of secret harem, almost, I guess, that was just for the leader or the vanguard. Um, how, yeah. how does that hit you? Is I mean, that, that almost seems like even that was lower, buried more so than even the kind of surface level strange dealings that were going on. This was something that only certain people knew that was directly, you know, for the sexual supplication of this man.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was that was quite a shock to the system. I mean, that was, that was the moment of like of shame, I think of being a part of a group like that or being associated in any way with that. Yeah. That that felt weird and and an uncomfortable feeling again. It just, you know, it allowed me to, to write. And that's, that's kind of what I really gleaned from it was this, this, this discomfort. So now I kind of search out for discomfort. I, I want to be uncomfortable and, in life to, to a point, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want suffering, but I, I think it's good to be uncomfortable and to be put in difficult situations because, well, you learn, you learn so much from it. Yeah.
0: Absolutely agree. You know, the, it, it's funny because sometimes we give, we give cliches uh, a rough time, but cliches are often only cliches because they're true and the things that we survive do make us stronger in the end, you know?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I've learned so much for sure. Well, John, we're we're gonna play uh, another one of your songs, at least a clip from it. Uh, it's a song called "Cultivated." Can you tell us about it before we we play it? Because we're we're gonna play the song and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. Um, just tell us about "Cultivated." Yeah,
3: so "Cultivated" was written sort of from the perspective of a relationship, but the overarching relationship of like the the cult member to the cult is sort of what I. I'm sort of using the imagery of the metaphors to uh, to emphasize that sort of relationship, but it could be uh, you know a, a toxic relationship between you know lovers or between family members. So um, yeah, it, it 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 just emphasizes how difficult it is for people to leave, and it's about some of my friends that were in it and uh, were were stuck in it for so long, and and used, mm-hmm. lost so much of their life and their energy to it.
2: Man, there's some great lyrics in this thing. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and listen to this. This is cultivated by John Bryant.
5: It's a fixation. I'm cultivating now. It's not worth Asking for a promise I can't keep You like to see me on my knees Begging for the silence When you scream Mm Sinking down to the depths of
2: This is another song that is mm-hmm. now just rattling around in my head. Thank you so much, John, because it will not leave. It, it, it's going to be there
0: forever. <laughs> oh, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we uh, won't have uh, the <laughs> – episode going on forever we wish we could play the whole album uh, folks you'll have to you'll have to hear it for yourselves but there is one last thing that we absolutely could not could not let go while we while we had you here with us on the show and uh that's that's the music video let's talk a little bit about yeah. that
4: yeah to, to me i mean the video is as compelling as the song um it it de- depicts what you could describe as a cult kind of ritual or a recruitment process, but it's more the kind of Manson-type cults of the 60s where there's some kind of guru giving people what presumably is LSD or could be something else. It, 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 isn't really, it doesn't really matter. But it's it just also... more like, you know, it's, it's like almost I look at it as like a metaphor for like this offering of truth, and then it all kind of unwinds and becomes, you know, you see what this really means, and it parallels the lyrics in the song too. Can you kind of t- walk us through it a little bit? just just
2: it's also just a baptism that's exactly what i see i see a baptism uh when because i grew up christian too so anyway let's just put that in there yeah yeah
3: i I, uh you certainly touched on a lot of what the uh the video was intended to to demonstrate um and and growing up christian you know i i used i used some of the, the the strange kind of offshoot christian cult like the you know groups that uh that sell these products to, you know, that, that will heal you or that will give you enlightenment and will make your lives better. You'll, you'll, you'll get money or you'll get fame or you'll get, you know, all your, all your ailments will leave you. And, and the idea was we, we made an infomercial uh, that, that was before the song. Now it's a separate part of the video, I think, but you can still see it. It's on my uh, YouTube uh, page. Where you know it's this man. It was it was really weird to release it because no one knew what was going on. We just released the infomercial first and then a few weeks later we released the video with the infomercial. Um so people were like, What the heck is going on here, man? This is so weird. Um what are what's going on, John? And uh but basically it sets it up. This man is super positive. He's 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 uh he's kind of the, the guru type, but he's he's sort of like a failing, also sort of a failing cult leader. Like he, he, he sort of doesn't look like the success story that that usually cult leaders uh, project. Um, and then the video happens, and that you see this group lined up, and they're all receiving this 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 uh, magical elixir, this tincture of, of of whatever their dreams or whatever they want in life. That's kind of what it represents. Um, so enlightenment or or healing or whatever. And then the video ends with them all dying. They all perish. They all, you know, fall prey to this man. And this man uh, walks away. And then I, throughout the video, I'm kind of singing the song. And then at the end of it, I help him. I'm the one that survived. I, or I'm his, his, his protege and I'm filming him for his next um, his next video, which is kind of throwing him back to the, the infomercial. So and it's very dark. It's a very dark, somber video, and the infomercial is the complete opposite. It's very corny and and uh, and lighthearted. Yeah.
2: See, now in my mind, in my mind, that was taking us back in time to show you shooting the first video with him, uh, as like you were the you were the inside guy, basically. <laughs>
3: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that is that's also the the one of the w- ways that we kind of wanted it to be interpreted. Either that or or I'm helping him on his next one. But yeah, it's either or.
2: Either way, super creepy and wonderful yeah. video Ooh. to an awesome yeah. song. <laughs> thank
0: you. Don't take our <laughs> word for it. Uh, you can check that out uh, today. John Bryant, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. And thank you for introducing everyone to a peek behind the curtain. Uh, I think we can all agree that These sorts of experiences are always intensely personal and it's powerful to be able to to speak with someone who has firsthand experience uh, with things that, you know, many people just read about in the paper uh, weeks after it happens. So, again, as I said, we'd love to play the uh, full album. On our show, but uh, but I don't think we could get away with
2: that. Network said we could, but I don't know. We'll see. This, maybe maybe after the oh, album's perfect. out. <laughs> yeah, this
0: time around. Yeah, maybe we should wait till the album's out. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, where can our listeners go if they would like to hear more of your work or learn more about your process and your music?
3: Um, you can go to my any platform that that has my music, which would be Spotify, Apple, Pandora, Amazon. Um, any, any of the major ones, Deezer in France, like it's it's everywhere. All my music is is online, and and you can listen for free on YouTube um, or or those platforms. And then I have a website as well that that has a bio and all that. So, if people want to learn more, please uh, follow me on Instagram. Kind of on my day to day, I'm pretty active on that. And then uh, yeah, lot, lots coming out though in the next few weeks with uh, with videos, and and then um, the album comes out on May seventeenth. So. Yeah, just gearing up for a big year. Lots of touring uh in North America, Europe and, and Australia. Just yeah, it's very exciting.
4: Are you uh, are you touring with anybody in particular?
3: Uh in Europe with Radical Face and then in North America we're still figuring that out.
0: I remember Radical like. Face
4: there. Yeah. Were,
3: yeah I, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, he's great. Well, uh, let us know if you make it down to Atlanta. Uh, we will, you know, it's not the perfect city, but we have we have amazing food. <laughs> I, I've dealt with that. I,
4: mean,
5: I would love. <laughs> to.
3: Yeah, I'm, well, I'm. I'm so sad. I'm not there right now. <laughs> well, we were
4: hoping to do it in person, uh, but maybe we can do it again. And either way, hit us up when you're back, and we'll uh, we'll have a beer and just chat more about music
2: and cults. <laughs> yes, and we want to come to definitely. your concert. So yeah, just let us know. In the
3: meantime, I'll join another cult and then write another album. So we can do this again in two years. Oh, yeah. Sounds
0: like you were really taking one for the team, my friend. Uh, Okay, good. Because I was next up in our cult rotation. Yeah. So I'll I'll dodge that one. Uh, Okay. So thanks, as. (laughs) Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccan. Thanks to you, John Bryant. Check out the music. Stay tuned for the album coming out in May. Uh, We want to hear your stories, folks, your personal experiences with organizations. When did you learn that something you thought was maybe self-help or multi-level marketing or something, when did you learn that there was something amiss? You can let us know about your stories on our Facebook page. Here's where it gets it's crazy or Instagram or Twitter. We're all over the place on the
2: Internet. Yeah. And if you don't want to do that stuff, you can call us and leave a voicemail. You get three minutes. Uh, it's it's pretty great. You can leave five three-minute messages if you want to tell us a whole story uh, or you can keep it super brief. Uh, either way, we'd be happy to hear from you and you might get on the air. Our number is one 833 stdwytk I've been listening to messages all week. Y'all are amazing. Keep doing it. Uh, Okay, uh, but if you don't want to leave a message, you don't want to do that stuff, you don't like social media, you can also contact us the good old-fashioned way. We are Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
7: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
6: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
0: Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into
1: the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief.